Hi, it's Mark Bittman, and welcome to Food. As always, you can email us at food at markbittman.com. Tell us your joys, your sorrows, your complaints, your support. We'd like to hear everything, and we will respond. Consider, please, also subscribing to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts and rating it highly, of course. And check out our newsletter. It comes out almost every day. It's called The Bitman Project, and you'll find it at bitmanproject.com. It's fabulous. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We're all drinking more water these days, and we're all concerned that we're drinking safe, clean, unpolluted water. Yet, according to our friends at the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in the United States have harmful contaminants in their tap water. That's why it's worth checking out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no insulation or plumbing. They remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, you know, those forever chemicals, in your water supply. PFAS, by the way, is found in almost 45% of U.S. tap water. AquaTrue has water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. Their proprietary purification technology is independently tested to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAS, nitrates, and many, many others. The filters are affordable and long-lasting, and they do not need changing every two or three months like so many others. They last from six months to up to two years. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you won't be buying bottled water and it'll save the environment from tons of single-use plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and makes a great gift. Today, listeners to Food with Mark Bittman receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code Bittman at checkout. For 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier, go to AquaTrue.com and use the promo code Bitman, B-I-T-T-M-A-N. Have you ever bought something, owned something that really inspired you to up your game? 
a tennis racket, a new pair of running shoes, a new piece of cooking equipment that made you just want to cook your brains out. I know that when I first started cooking on induction burners, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of the features that are available on this car include Dynamic Sky Panorama Glass Roof, Front Row Massaging Seats, you know you want that, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, which you will want when you check out the multi-terrain select. These are really great features, the kind of features that will make you proud and happy to own a Lexus GX. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. We have a guest today that Kate and I like so much. We're going to be cooking with her in a few weeks, and you'll hear about that. But first, when we got Abby Balangit's first cookbook, Mayumu, in the mail, I was blown away by how beautiful and how cool it was. It's filled with Filipino-inspired desserts, not traditional Filipino and certainly not traditional American. But Abby lives in Brooklyn and was raised in the Bay Area and the Central Valley of California. But Abby's own wonderful melding of the two kinds of cuisines, it's just, it's so much fun. So, for example, Sapin Sapin is a tri-layered rice cake that typically features tropical flavors, but Abby's version is inspired by Good Humor Strawberry Shortcake Bars, and why not? I could have one of those now, with toasted coconut curds and freeze-dried strawberries. And Pumpkin Hopia, Hopia is a Filipino flaky pastry similar to a moon cake and usually filled with sweetened yellow mung beans. When I say that Abby's sweets are beautiful, well, you really just have to see for yourself. Check out the cookbook. Abby started her blog, The Dusky Kitchen, in 2020, and shortly after that was offered a book deal. Maybe that's why she calls The Dusky Kitchen a little baking blog that could. It happened very fast, to the point where she wasn't even sure she could come up with enough recipes for a book. Turned out she's friendly with our colleague and Bitman Project and podcast contributor Holly Haynes, and Holly is also obsessed with Abby's baking, and so the three of us decided to chat. These two have wonderful energy, and their adoration for each other is clear. We had a great time, and as I said, we'll all be cooking together late next month, I think. Abby, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm a fan of both of you. So it's like a pleasure to be here. We're going to start with your blog, which is called The Dusky Kitchen. And uh, you call it a little baking blog that could. And yet, very soon after you started it, an agent approached you and asked if you wanted to write a cookbook, which is how your gorgeous book, Mayumu, was born. And I'm going to quote you. I wasn't even sure if I had it in me to create so many of my own recipes. Yet you did. So the first obvious question is, how did you pull this all together? You know, I think I had a good maybe year of brainstorming in between when you know you have a cookbook deal 
And then when you actually get to write with your editor and them double checking a table of contents to make sure that you're on the right track. So it was kind of surreal when I was first starting to recipe develop and pretty much test recipes in my apartment. Uh, I was just kind of going at hyperspeed after having a few months to kind of just like be idle and just like write things in my notes app where I was just like, okay, this recipe I want to do, this recipe I'm thinking of, not completely there. And that was definitely kind of just like um, 90% of everything just wasn't fleshed out until January 2022 till May 2022. You worked fast. You really worked fast. And these are some wacky recipes. Maybe wacky. I don't mean, I mean wacky in the best sense. They are unusual. I love that. I prefer something wacky (laughs) than something boring for sure. Yeah, good. (laughs) This is really the first time I'm seeing the way I cook and the way I think about Filipino flavors in a book. And I know at the beginning you mentioned your parents immigrating to the U.S. in the late 80s, as did my mother. Unfortunately, she had to assimilate immediately and didn't really have Filipino food when she first moved to Philadelphia. But it sounds like your parents didn't have that issue and you got to grow up with all of the delicious Filipino foods. So which ones were your favorites growing up? You know, my mom, her specialty, and I think I talk about this in the book too, it's like cassava cake and also maha blanca. Um, And those are kind of desserts where it's like big, big Pyrex 9 by 13 glass pans of just like, I guess like custardy, but also I guess just like comforting flavors that, um, you know, at every Filipino party, we just have that every single time. And my mom is the type of person who is very consistent of like, this is her thing and she'll do this literally for like people will be expecting it to be there. And so I love like flavors of coconut and just like very, very I guess like warm, warm tones of just like nice, you know, vanilla. And that's just kind of just like what I remember the most from her. And, you know, for me, I was just like, oh, I can't like do her thing because it's like kind of encroaching on her territory. And that was kind of maybe why in the pandemic I was like, okay, time to switch on to Filipino flavors. My mom isn't here and she's not going to be here for a minute. Um, And she lives in California for reference and I live in New York. And so it was something where I really tapped into like a lot of memories growing up with her and my family to kind of really go for this book and for my blog. For me, it feels like the nostalgia of my childhood, the flavors of my childhood, but just presented in such a new and fresh way. And I love that so much. Oh, thank you, Holly. It is like, yeah, I'm like a fan of your food so much. And every time on Twitter, I'm always like, Holly's making something good in the kitchen that I want to try and I can't because you're in San Diego. So I'm always like, come, I want like smell a vision and like actual like technology to advance there and not in AI anymore. Like this is what we need to work on. (laughs) Yes, I agree. Well, we just talked about your mom making cassava cakes and Maya Blanca, but she thought, I guess we should say that Mayumi means sweet and Kampampangan. And your, your mom thought that American desserts, I don't know, were too Mayumu? Like just too stark, too one-dimensional? What? Yeah, my mom, she is like my mom and my dad, I feel like just have that palette where it's like, okay, like anything that's like, you know, American buttercreams are just like straight up powdered sugar, butter, 
And that's pretty much it. And they just like hate that. They'd always scrape off frosting at like birthday parties. Oh man, if it's that's not incredible. Like an, you know, like Asian bakeries though, we love like a simple whipped cream and fresh fruit. And that's usually what I remember growing up too. And I think that's just kind of a thing where it is like a compliment if your desserts are not too sweet. Um, from anyone that I know who's like an Asian mom or aunt or uncle. Interesting, because I do think of, I think of especially Southeast Asian desserts as being pretty sweet, but I guess you're right. They're not as straight sugar as right. like, yeah, buttercream frosting for sure. And then I think, well, what do I actually like in American desserts? And I always think that it's coconut cake is always my favorite thing. Not that it's not sweet, but there must be something about coconut that just coconut and almond and stuff like that, that just brings that extra dimension. Yeah, I get that, though, because I think that a lot of, um, you know, like natural like coconut palm sugar has this like earthiness that also tones down like the sweetness of things where growing up having the, that kind of um, like sugar around also helped to curb sweetness of it. But coconut cake, like American coconut cake, I also really love. And oh, it's like seven best. layer, eight <laughs> yeah. layer cakes. Oh my God. I, I yeah. can devour those pretty easily too. It has to have a very high percentage of coconut though to yes. be really good. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel about American? I, this, there's such a, I guess there is such a thing as American desserts. Like, do you think that too, that American desserts are too sweet or you've sort of swung the pendulum in the other direction? Growing up, it's like, this is what my mom made. But at school, I would have this or like I'd go to, you know, the grocery store and I'd get some hostess things. Twinkies, for my mom. right? You know, I'd sneak it into the cart because my mom wasn't happy about it. But I do think that it's just like a, a sense where it's like, oh, I did grow up with both of these things together where like Western desserts and also like my Filipino parents and bakeries were around at the same time. And so I do gravitate, I think, in my baking repertoire of like, I know how to make cakes and cookies and blondies and brownies. I think that's like what I first think of making and then learning how to do like traditional rice cakes and other like chilled desserts or something some things in my brain where I'm like, okay, this is something I have to kind of, you know, learn how to make because I was just eating it and not actually making it when I was a kid. In the book, you write about the preconceptions of what's possible for both Filipino and American desserts. And I'm sure we're aware of the American preconceptions, but tell me about some of the Filipino preconceptions that you've come across. Oh, you know, I think that a lot of people with, you know, Filipino desserts specifically, they always want ube and they're always looking for that specifically and like that color and you know I love it too and I think there's a lot of ube in the book interspersed throughout but I think it's you know hard to get past that point in like mainstream media where I think people are still starting to really get into pandan and you know coconut is you know pretty universal especially in more vegan baking and everything and so there's so much there where I'm like oh but you know we have such more bounty and like tropical like ingredients and flavors that we can really like hit and try that people might not realize like okay like for me I, I think I've stretched it to a point where you know sometimes I think that lychee is not exclusive to being a Filipino ingredient it's definitely like Southeast Asian and a, a beloved like juicy refreshing fruit but like you know I think there's so much where it's like oh yeah but like this is inspired and I can do that in like a madeleine and there's something that if that's not French at all um, having lychee in it. But it is kind of fun to kind of run uh, the gamut of what is Filipino, actually, if it's not just, you know, ube itself. Right. 
I agree. I always get pushed in the ube rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I love ube. I really do. And I think this is a thing where it's like, there's so many applications where it's great to use, but I, it's a shame that it is actually really hard to get fresh. And there's so many, you know, obstacles to that. <laughs> I was getting bamboozled at my local shop. Well, yamboozled, if you will. Because yeah. <laughs> I thought I was buying, I thought I was buying ube and it was just good old Japanese purple yams. But the label said ube, and I was like, look at me getting fresh ube. And someone was like, no, no. Yeah. The Okinawa <laughs> sweet potatoes. Same texture. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just talk about what ube is before we go much further, since you guys are like doing shop talk at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> You're two Filipino ladies talking to one another. But yes. yeah, so either of you can take that. I mean, I'll start. I think, Holly, you can fill in the gaps. I feel like you have a, a great, like, farm, like, knowledge repertoire of, like, produce that is beyond me. Um, but, like, so Filipino yam, purple yam is what ube is. And it comes in, like, you know, different shades of different colors of different types. And so, like, you will see it in the Philippines. Like, there's some where it's, like, kind of lilac-hued, lilac and white, like, straight, deep, deep purple. And so the thing with ube is that um, right now, as of, you know, the farmers making it in the Philippines and kind of, you know, dispersing it to everyone else, it's not necessarily like a centralized growing system where each farmer has their own kind of like, okay, we'll give it to some neighbors or we'll give it to, you know, whoever else. And so it's hard because I think the conversation with sustainability with ube is something where, you know, we... They, there's just like you have there has to be a different way of hopefully producing more of it because of such high demand, but at a pace that is good and right with like the farmers there. And so it's something where I like one of my friends that is in Brooklyn is trying to grow some ube in his backyard. Wow. But it is like a really long cycle where it takes like months for the first crop to come in. And you're literally just like this one ube will just plant it again to get another one for next year. So it is a really long growing process, but Holly, please take it away. I'm just saying, you know, general surface level. No, it is, it is, it is elusive to get fresh more so than I thought it was. Um, The flavor is really subtle and kind of hard to describe. I, Describe it as like an earthy vanilla. And sweet or not sweet by itself? Not sweet by itself. It's, I wouldn't say not as sweet as a sweet potato. More, more along the lines of like taro, I would say. But it's like a taste that if you grow up with, you crave it? Yes. <laughs> it's familiar. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I know you've talked about this a lot, but I do have to ask you about the treat boxes the yes. pasalubong that you made during the pandemic. I I remember one specifically, you made like a, a pork floss and miso caramel brownie. Oh my, yeah. I, remember, I remember thinking that oh was like God. so cool. <laughs> it pissed Thank me you. off that I didn't think of it first. <laughs> it's funny because that is something where, yeah, both of you, I would wish to bake this for you at some point. And it's not necessarily in the book, but there is um, a champarado recipe that's like miso and like a butterscotch and also like pork floss into like a rice porridge that is there. Mm. Um, but for the possible and treat boxes, that was in the first round of boxes I ever done. And it was one of those things where it was the first time again, I was in- infusing like Filipino Asian fusion flavors together in one box. 
And I think that like pork floss was something I was like, oh yeah, like, you know, like we have bacon, we have, you know, bacon and, and maple and all these things that people have already been doing. But I think pork floss is like underrated in terms of use, usage in desserts. And I love getting like pork floss buns from different like uh, bakeries in Chinatown and everything. And so it just made sense to me to like add it on top of like a brownie just for a hit of umami. But yeah, that was a really special recipe to do. And I think that um, for when you're thinking about doing treat boxes, and especially when you're just doing things in volume, I love to do more of like drop cookies and brownies and blondies because their bar desserts are kind of easier to cut and distribute and to make more of faster and, you know, in bigger quantities. And so that was a big reason why I wanted to a brownie, especially that just to be like, okay, I know it's like an easy thing to make a brownie, but let's try to like up the flavors. And that's what came out of it. I have this fantasy of making chocolate chip cookies, kind of like your adobo chocolate chip cookies, but adding um, dilis on top. Yes. Like a little dried. But, fr- okay. Okay. Thanks. Mark that's all I like, needed what was is that, that confirmation. Okay, yeah, sorry. I am like, what is that? Dilis are like. It's uh, okay. Little, they're like little fried anchovies. Yes. And you kind of eat them like chips. They're like little snacks. Right. But I've yes, always had this like fantasy of putting like a little crunchy dilis on top of a chocolate chip cookie. Are they fried anchovies like the Korean style where they're sort of sweet? No, they're not. Well, they come sweet. I've seen sweet and spicy ones. I mean, the Korean ones are like, you know, sesame, soy, right. chili, yeah, these are just fr- garlic, yeah, these- and some sugar. Definitely yeah, there's sugar like in there. Fried salt. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's fun because it's kind of the same application where you would put that like you put some delis on some like uh, arascaldo, which is the savory yeah. rice porridge, but champurado is like the sweet rice porridge. But that also gets like a lot of times like fish on top. So that's like a normal thing where it's like, um, what is the name of the fish again, Holly? That's on top of champurado a lot. It's like the mackerel. Yeah. It's a. Uh, yes. I don't yeah. know the name. There's like a spicy. I know There's like a smoked mackerel that's usually on top of tinapa. Of there's chocolate tinapa. flavor. Yes. Yeah. Tinapa on top of champurado is like a way that people normally eat this, where it's like we're not riffing or doing any fusion or anything. This is when people actually eat champurado. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. So, I mean, you yeah. think about rice puddings and rice porridges in general, and you think, yeah, it's very easy to switch between sweet and savory. Yeah. All right. I'm putting fish on a cookie. Yes. Oh my God. Oh, I'm so excited for you. I'm going to let, I'm gonna, I can't wait to see. Can't wait. I, it's going to be so good. We will be right back, so stay tuned for more from Abby, Holly, and me. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Have you ever bought something, owned something that really inspired you to up your game? A tennis racket, a new pair of running shoes, a new piece of cooking equipment that made you just want to cook your brains out? I know that when I first started cooking on induction burners, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of the features that are available on this car include dynamic sky panorama glass roof, front row massaging seats, you know you want that, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, which you will want when you check out the multi-terrain select. These are really great features, the kind of features that will make you proud and happy to own a Lexus GX. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. We're all drinking more water these days, and we're all concerned that we're drinking safe, clean, unpolluted water. Yet, according to our friends at the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in the United States have harmful contaminants in their tap water. That's why it's worth checking out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. They remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, you know, those forever chemicals in your water supply. PFAS, by the way, is found in almost 45% of U.S. tap water. AquaTrue has water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. Their proprietary purification technology is independently tested to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAS, nitrates, and many, many others. The filters are affordable and long-lasting, and they do not need changing every two or three months like so many others. They last from six months to up to two years. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water, less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you won't be buying bottled water, and it'll save the environment from tons of single-use plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and makes a great gift. Today, listeners to Food with Mark Bittman receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code Bittman at checkout. 
For 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier, go to AquaTrue.com and use the promo code Bitman, B-I-T-T-M-A-N. Which sweets in the book would you consider are the must-tries? I'll tell you what mine are. Oh, okay. This is really <laughs> and, fun. Um, which recipes are you the most proud of? Oh, my God. Okay. Well, this this is a hard one. But I think that in terms of, like, must-tries, and, and it sounds basic because it's, like, what everyone is baking right now, but it's the adobo chocolate chip cookies for sure was, like, one of my – also one of the ones I was most proud of just because I think I wanted – I think there's – no dessert cookbook that I could think of that is, you know, in any type or way American without talking about chocolate chip cookies, because it's one of those fundamental recipes that I like, when I first started to bake, I was like, this is what I need to you need to have your signature cookie recipe. And I think this one has really like captured a wider audience, because one, the New York Times has a a big, big subscriber count. But two, I think because there's something about like having recipe where there's no need for a KitchenAid mixer and it's just by like a bowl and a rubber spatula, a whisk, and I think you're done. And I really wanted to make something super accessible for people to try. And so this is also one of those where I have a Filipino pantry essential section in the book, but it's something where you can find all these ingredients pretty easily, even in like a, a general Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, uh, regular grocery store, which some places and some recipes might you have to kind of go out of your way to get like nata de coco or ube extracts. So that is kind of one of those major, please try this just to see. And you don't have to be the most amazing baker to try. Um, and another must try recipe for me is more of like a traditional Filipino recipe base, which is the fiesta fruit salad. And I think fruit salad is one of those things that, again, from colonization and American influence, I think it's a southern ambrosia salad derivation. Um, but it's something really nice to like see how we've kind of made it our own. And for me, I wanted to, you know, do the same concept of canned fruits, but I always hated certain aspects of, you know, like the regular canned fruit or like of, of like fruit cocktail where there's like mushy pear and just like yes, whatever. The the mushy pear gets me every time. Mushy and, and gritty at the same time. Yes. Yes. That's the one thing where I was like, and like, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Maracino's cherries. I can live without like the really sweet, gross ones. And so I just hate <laughs> them. And so I just like customized the, you know, the fruit flavors where it's like lychee and grapefruit and canned peaches. And then I add nata de coco, which are pretty much like coconut gels that are just chewy and like very... Like if you've ever had like lychee jelly from like a like a boba stand or anything, that's exactly what they make it out of. So it has that bouncy, chewy, refreshing flavor. Um, and I put that and kaong, which are sugar palm fruit. So all these like chewy, yummy <laughs> flavors and textures all in one, uh, very cold. And like, I guess it's like a great party dessert because you can yes. feed so many people with it and just ladle it into a solo cup and everyone is happy and eats their like fruit salad. But I don't know. There's something about the recipe where, again, you only open cans where it's like you have to try this recipe because like you, you, there's no excuse for anyone anymore. Like you can you can do this. And I, I do say like this one is like the, maybe the hardest of the three. But the Hala Hala Baked Alaska is one of the things where it's like the crown, the crown jewel of the book. Yeah, I um, dog-eared that. <laughs> and it's on the cover. So I think it's like, you know, one of the, the recipes I knew was a showstopper, but also I think encapsulates the spirit of the book where hollow hollow already means mix mix in Tagalog. And I think it being a remix type of, you know, dessert cookbook 
um, having a baked Alaska that is inspired by the flavors of Hala Hala with like a granita that has jackfruit infused in it and evaporated milk. I think there's just all the flavors and a lot of the ingredients in a Hala Hala are in this baked Alaska, but it's still like the meringue and the ice cream and the cake. So it's one of my favorite, like, I guess, ones to come up with that had a much, much the most fun kind of experimenting to get to that point. My must-haves are the banana bread. Yay! I and you made it love, so early on. And I made, <laughs> I know, I made that banana bread immediately. Um, the ube skillet cookie, Ooh, because yeah. that's just such a cute little easy bake. And the uh, the MSG brownies, because I'm a hoe for anything with MSG. <laughs> oh my God. No, but I feel like yeah, we're talking a lot about brownies, but Holly's brownies, especially like the black cocoa. Oh and yeah, like the black the, cocoa. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I want, I, I and I love all the ones that you chose, but I, I'm really, yeah, the banana bread is a fun one too, where it's like, people have made banana bread. banana bread so many times, but it's like, and this is another one where you can find walnuts and dates pretty easily. But it's so weird. I don't know if you ever grew up with that dessert, Holly, but it's inspired by Food for the Gods. Me neither, but I've seen it, you know, in like different, um, I guess like whenever you get possible bugs, sometimes people have it for the, I guess, Christmas time season. But um, I guess it's like because the ingredients are kind of so expensive, maybe that's why it's like a Food for the Gods kind of, uh, you know, name for this dessert. But it is technically usually a bar dessert that is similar to maybe like a blondie with walnuts and dates inside of it and so yeah i was like oh banana and that that makes sense <laughs> so i used all that stuff in the banana bread and it turns out great yeah it sounds great i was happy about those brownies because i love the candid use of msg again that yeah. like msg is making a comeback and it's not even necessarily like there's because of there's this five spice toronas de soy in the brownies uh it's from another recipe that you just like studded on top I think it just plays really well together. And the MSG is also the sensation of just like mouth wateriness that is so subtle that I think it's, again, you're not meant to taste like a, a boatload of MSG. That's not the point, but to just at least have a hint of it. Right. I'm sitting here thinking about fish on cookies, actually. <laughs> I'm um, stuck on it too long. I'm ready for the pictures of that, please. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it today. I'm going to do it today. Okay. I'll do it today. I got to know, and there's another totally random question, and no one's going to know what we're talking about until you start talking about it, but I have to hear about the great weevil infestation of 2020. Oh <laughs> I know we're Everybody talking- has to hear about it, actually. Oh, no. I know we're talking about rancid flour, but this is flour that is, you know, in the worst way when it's, like, still good flour, and then you see, like, black bugs just Little like, dots. <laughs> And I just never saw them before. And this was like the first time. And I, you know, like it's hard. I, at the time I had three roommates and, you know, we just have grains just kind of spilling out of every single cabinet known to man and shelf. And I was just like, what is that? And and there was like, they also migrated from the bag of flour to the floor. So I was like, oh, weird. We have big ants for some reason. I don't know where they came from. (laughs) And yeah, I looked into it and then I immediately went into like need all the Tupperware mode, like need all like the plastic shelves or plastic containers that actually like seal things because I was so traumatized. I had to like throw out so much flour that I was just like, never again. I can't live like this anymore. Right. It's funny. We, I don't know. I seem to have turned into the bad food guy, but um, it is funny because we think of grains as like lasting forever, but if you don't put stuff in containers, we get these grain moths and then you're just like, A, you're going nuts because there's moths everywhere. And B, 
you know, you open a container and moths are flying out. It's it's gross. Anyway, this is supposed yeah. to be a food show, not a. <laughs> Holly, wait. <laughs> Speak your truth. What did you deal okay, with? Okay, I just have one weevil story. Because you know, Go. I work at the bean farm. I work at the bean farm, and I brought beans home, and I didn't oh. realize there were bean weevils. There are bean and weevils. Oh, there are bean weevils. What do yes. they look like? So we know, like bigger versions of the flower weevils. Mm. And they got into my everything, and I had to bleach my life down. And I, I just want to say, I overstand the great weevil infestation of 2020. <laughs> I have endured. Oh my god, I'm so sorry for that the loss of so much. But flowers. you got to freeze them. You got to freeze your beans, and that kills the weevils. Same thing with grains. If you freeze them, I do freeze most of my grains actually. Oh. For like, I think it's like a week. It'll kill all the eggs, any larvae, and it'll kill all the weevils. So you don't necessarily have to throw it away, but you do have to sift it. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to sift beans, though. Hard to sift bugs yeah. out of beans. Yeah, you have to pick through all the beans. Anyway, weevils. Yeah. I, hope, I hope this is the Terrible excerpt folks. you choose for our video yeah, <laughs> about yeah, this weevils. Is for sure. This is going to like lead the whole Absolutely. show. We're going to use this when we like submit the podcast for awards, the discussion about <laughs> bugs and beans and grains. You know, last question, we ask everybody this, but we might as well all answer it. But Abby, you first. What did you have for dinner last night? I was so lucky. So right now I'm in Seattle and I went to Musong, which is a great Filipino restaurant here. And yes, Chef Melissa Miranda did my Q&A moderator talk in oh, Seattle at Book Larder on Friday. And so I had dinner at her restaurant and it is literally like in a home and it feels like Everyone there is just like, it was bustling. It was so happy at like 5 p.m. I had um, Pidak Bet, uh, which is like this, uh, you know, this Filipino stewed vegetable dish. But it was really special because they like tempura fried the vegetables and they had pickled bitter melon, which adds like a bit of yeah acidity, but also tempers the bitterness, which I hate bitter melon actually, <laughs> personally. But yeah, that was incredible. And they had like also bagaong and everything on that as well. But they also had corn babinka with like honey and malden and a tibok tibok, which is also in my book. But they have a dark chocolate version with a lot of pinapig, which is like the toasted rice the on rice, top. Yeah. Um, but they also I had the hamachi kinilao, which is the ceviche. And um, I all we also had I mean, I feel like we just ate a lot, but we had like the lechon pork belly that also had bagong of like a sauce on it and the halibut, which had um, egg and tomato and it was, yeah, the garlic fried rice, incredible. I could just like go on and on about the restaurant experience there, but everyone should check out Musong if you have a chance in Seattle. I need to go. I've been following them forever on Instagram, so I need to make the trip. Yes. What'd you eat, Holly? I had the pleasure of going to a Nancy Silverton dinner here in San Diego. She did a pop-up at a restaurant here called Cali for their two-year anniversary. So it was like Nancy Silverton's greatest hits, which is wonderful. Got a nice Caesar salad, the orakete, the a, a, a local swordfish, piccata style, lots of roasted vegetables. It was delicious. Sounds good. Well, so I will complete the trio of none of us doing any cooking last night. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm at my house in Truro on Cape Cod, and I came up with my friend Johnny, who's from Seattle, actually. And then our friend Tony Pasquale, who runs a restaurant called Terra Luna here 
Instagram that his mom was cooking. His mom cooks with him now and then. She's like 80. And um, he Instagrammed that his mom was making eggplant parmesan last night. And um, I have a thing for eggplant parmesan. I guess a lot of people do. But um, <laughs> And I, Tony's been threatening to, like, I'm going to tell you when my mom's coming over and we're going to make eggplant. But it hasn't happened. So quickly I texted him and said, I'm coming, save me some. And so he went and I, and it was really kind of awesome. Eggplant Parmesan, like very, like two inches high and uh pretty straightforward layers of fried eggplant and stuff. But like the topping, which was mostly mutts was like really hard, like brown to the point where like you needed a knife to cut it. And I really liked that. It was good. It was really good. Anyway, we're all happy. Um, <laughs> do you live in Brooklyn? I do. I do. Live I want to cook with you. Either you're going to have to come up to where we are or I'll come down. We'll figure it out. I would love that. Let me know. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'd down. learn a lot. Be great. I want to yeah. come too. Come yeah, well, over, no one over. asked you to move to the West Coast. So <laughs> I'll come. All right. We'll discuss it. All right. Cool. Well, thanks, Abby. And Good luck with the book, which is awesome. Oh, thank you, Mark. Thank you, Holly. You both have been incredible to talk to. And I'm just like in shock that you want to talk to me about my little book. Oh. But it's really nice that y'all are so <laughs> sweet and care so much. And I, I appreciate it so, so, so much. Thank you. Abby's take on fruit salad, which I think can be seen as a sort of radical reinventioning of 50s fruit salad with the sensibilities of 70 years later. I don't, I don't know. This is not this is not my thing, but this is really cool. Okay, so um, you're going to go to the supermarket <laughs> and you're going to buy a 15-ounce can of peach chunks in syrup. I bet you haven't bought one of those in a while. A 20-ounce can peeled and pitted lychees in syrup. Um, you should be able to find those. A 20-ounce can of pineapple chunks in syrup. A 15-ounce can of red grapefruit in syrup. A 12-ounce jar of Kong in syrup. And um, that's palm tree fruit, but you'll find it. It's like little beans. And a 12-ounce jar of natto de coco in syrup. A 14-ounce can of sweetened condensed milk. And a cup of heavy cream. In a colander, combine all of the canned fruit, the peach chunks, the light cheese, the pineapple chunks, the red grapefruit, the kang, the nata de coco, uh, and put that colander over the kitchen sink. Stir that lightly with a wooden spoon until all the syrup is drained out, and then put that drained fruit mixture into a large bowl. In a measuring cup or a a smaller bowl, whisk together the condensed milk and the heavy cream until it's very smooth. Pour that over the fruit mixture and gently stir until it's evenly distributed. Cover with a lid and chill in the fridge for at least four hours, preferably overnight. Serve cold. Um, you can keep any leftovers in the fridge for a few days. I can't wait to make this. I want to thank the dessert queen, Abby Ballingit and can't wait to cook with her. And as always, to Holly, who I'm lucky enough to work with. Uh, this is a really exciting episode for us, and um, we'll have more about these two women in August. 
Meanwhile, you can follow Abby on Instagram at Twitter at the Dusky Kitchen, the U-S-K-Y. And Holly on Instagram at It's Holly and Twitter at Yo It's Holly, Y-O-I-T-S-H-O-L-L-Y. Thank you, as always, to Kate Pittman, our producer and my co-host, and to Davis Lloyd, our engineer. And in the meantime, get your copy of Mayamu wherever you like to buy books. Subscribe to this podcast. It's called Food with Mark Bittman, in case you missed that. And check out our newsletter, The Bittman Project. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week when we will have somebody amazing. Bye for now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.